0: Yeah, good morning all of you that are joining us online as well in our stream. Make sure you kind of chime in, make a comment, let us know that you're with us this morning. That's very, very important. Give yourself a pat on the shoulder right now, okay? Uh, because you made it to church in what I like to call drag-in Sunday, all right? I mean, it's let's drag it, let's get in there. You guys know that if you make it, you know, pretty much within the first 45 minutes to church or streaming on uh, the spring-forward daylight, or yeah, this one's spring-forward daylight savings time, you actually get an extra crown in your jewel each year that you do that when we're in heaven, okay? The Lord will be like, and you made it on 2022. 21, no, 20 you did, good, you know what I mean? So we'll have these little, ah, that's all right, never mind. And there's a lot of people over the world, they, they stayed up all, you know, especially in Mary, they stayed up all night just to make it to church because they didn't want to miss. Good job if you're here this morning and you're streaming with us this morning. Good stuff, man. And we'll congratulate those that will get here in about, I don't know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, and we're like. At least you came, right? That's all good. Hey, I'm glad to see you guys this morning. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan, our student pastor, for praying and transitioning the service. Give him and, and, and Lauren a good, some appreciation, will you? Yeah. How about Jake here, our worship pastor? Give him some praise and some love this morning. Yeah. All of our staff, all of our leaders, we appreciate them very much. Uh, Pastor Stacy, she's working with the kids right now. And appreciate my wife, Megan, opening the service for us this morning. Yeah. And I'm, ex- I'm really excited because my daughter, Kyler, is here with us this morning. And her boyfriend, Austin. Yeah. All the way from Las Cruces, New Mexico. They attend New Mexico State University. So we're, they, they've been here on spring break, and I've had to apologize to them. I'm like... <laughs> E, a lot of wind, some cool days and stuff like that, but they've, we, they've, we've had a good time, right? Trampoline park, paintball, uh, we've done all kinds of crazy stuff, but it's all good. Hey, if you've got a Bible, and hopefully you do, with you or maybe an app on your phone, let's go to the Gospel book of Mark this morning, Mark chapter 12, right? This is the seventh message, seventh message in my first series here that I've called The Starting Line, if you're a guest with us this morning, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad you are here. If you're streaming in with us for the first or second or third time this morning, thank you for streaming in. We are so glad you are here. We're a little low this morning in attendance. Uh, that is a given. Churches all across America, uh, people are like, oh, I forgot the time change. So, but it, again, you're here, so good job. And you're online, Good job. But we've been talking, uh, uh, like I said, the seventh message in a series. I'm calling the starting line because me and my wife and my two younger girls—we just moved here two and a half months ago—and so this is a new chapter in this church. And so we're all at the starting line together. These messages are kind of bringing us together on the same page. And I'm closing this series with with this message. I'm closing it with with with—I like to think a bang—with what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. And three weeks ago, I started unpacking the great mission statement that Jesus gave in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. Jesus gave the mission statement of love God, love people. That's in your Creek notes at the back of the bulletin. And if you're online, you can download those Creek notes even right now. Love God, love people. Repeat that with me. Love God, love people. I mentioned three weeks ago that, that as we progress in this starting line, as we progress in this new chapter of the Fellowship of Oso Creek, we are, I mean, everything is going to be done through the lens of this mission statement of Jesus. Everything. I mean everything. We're going to measure it and weigh it against what Jesus said here and love God, love people. Can we do this? Is it loving God and loving people? That's going to be our measuring stick. That's what we're going to that's what we're going to measure all the things we're going to be about. Everything we do is going to be about loving God and loving people. And we need you as creakers to get on board with that. Have that mindset, have that attitude. Have that in your heart to love God, love people. And although we might not say this phrase, you know, every week I want it to be a part of this church's very DNA. I want it to be in all of our hearts. And you'll be reminded of it, you know, this statement from time to time. I don't know if you noticed, but it's already on some, some lot signage that's out there, okay? There's a couple places where it says, love God, love people. And, and I know that over the last 10 or so years, you know, it got real trendy to say this, love God, love people. There were songs about it and stuff. But this is more than just a trendy church phrase or a church cliche, you know, that just sounds cool. No, I uh, summarized in my first message about loving God. This is how important. Over six hundred commandments, laws, regulations, traditions, he narrowed them all down to this simple yet utterly profound phrase, love God, love people. He's like, these are the number one and number two commandments. These are the greatest. Nothing else tops these. So if you get these wrong, guess what? You're wrong. If you get these wrong, you're off the target. But if you get them right and they're a part of your life, as Jesus tells the scribe that we're about to read in verse 34 in our text, you're not far from the kingdom of God. It's that important, gang. It's that important. So let's read our text, Mark 12. You know, if you didn't hear the first message about loving God three weeks ago or last week's primer to this message, please, please go back and listen to them online, Facebook, YouTube, YouTube. Because all these messages truly go together, and I gave the back story to this text in in the first message, let's say mark twelve verses twenty eight through thirty four it records, and one of the scribes came up to jesus and, and he and he heard them disputing with one another all these religious leaders are talking and And seeing that Jesus answered them well, I mentioned these guys were asking Jesus these these questions to discredit him, to try to get him to give an answer to their questions that would turn the Roman government against Jesus or turn the people against Jesus. And he sees that Jesus answered all these questions, boom, 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 boom. So this scribe came up to Jesus and said, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We talked about that three weeks ago. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment, singular there, greater than these. The scribe said to him, you're right, teacher. You truly said that he's one. There's no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and the understanding and the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. They're all like, okay, we're going to leave. This guy's good. You know, and they... Tiptoed away, right? So we discuss what loving God is about and how we do that best. And today is the second part of this phrase from Jesus, this command and mission statement. Today is all about loving people. Cheer. Come on. Yay. Woohoo. All right. If you're a fan of the little rascals, you know, they did this, you know, when they got really excited and gave the high sign. (laughs) That's way back in the day. That's all right. Loving people. So last week was the primer to this message. It started us off, and how we can, you know, how we should show compassion towards others and really care for people. It's love God, love people. That's the message from Jesus. And you see, Jesus did something with our text. It, it, the phrase that he said in our text, he, he did something quite amazing. In in his statement, love God, love people, that I absolutely love. So the first part of his statement, love God, this was something that the Jewish people, especially the Jewish males in that society and the women too, but they would be very, 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 very familiar with this. I mentioned that Jesus quoted from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 5, about loving God with everything. I mean, that was... Way back in the Old Testament, God told that to the Israelites. And so Jesus is literally quoting from the Old Testament, the very verbatim, that verse from Deuteronomy 6, 5, okay? And the Jewish people, they knew that verse. I mean, they were OCD about that verse. That verse was everything to them. They were reminded of it everywhere they went. I mentioned they they put it in little, wrote it on little scrolls and rolled it up and put it in these boxes they wore on their foreheads. They kept it on their wrists. They put it on their doorposts. They would put it all over their house. It was love God with everything. There's one God, love him with everything. I mean, they, it was everything to them. And so as Jesus was saying this, I can just picture the, the Jewish religious Pharisees that were standing around. On Jesus and trying to trick him and discredit him as this scribe comes up and and ask him this very poignant and direct question and Jesus gives this answer I can just sit there you know picture these guys standing there going nodding their heads in approval yeah that's right that's right Jesus okay loving God is the greatest commandment they may have even gotten excited they may have became a little charismatic like that's right Jesus praise God we got Love him with everything, you know. Maybe they get "Hallelujah, Jesus," you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Jesus, you're preaching. Come on, you got to love God with everything, right? They were really living that out, loving God. Okay, I mean, they they, they agreed with that phrase so much, loving God. That was their, the core essence of their lives. Okay. They would have been in total agreement with that. But the second part of his answer would rock their religious world. It would have troubled them greatly. It would have, it would cause their blood to boil. Because it would go, it went against everything that these Jewish religious leaders had been taught, and who were, and that's what they were, you know, what they were teaching the people. It went against everything that they taught. You know, a lot of times when when you hear this passage of Scripture, and this is what they did, you would tend to separate these two different commands. It's like, love God, then love people. Love God, then love people. But Jesus did something that no Jewish rabbi or teacher had ever done before with this statement. No one had ever done this. He put these two commandments together. Jesus linked these two commandments together. No Jewish rabbi had ever done that. No teacher had ever done that before. I mentioned Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy 6, 5 in the Old Testament, loving God, but then probably in the very same breath, he quoted from the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18 in the Old Testament about loving your neighbor as yourself. I mean, one of these laws was given in the book of Deuteronomy. One was given in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. These were always treated as separate commandments until Jesus combined them and made them one commandment. No one had ever done that before. The scribe asked Jesus to give the single greatest commandment. Jesus mentions two, but actually unifies them into one in his statement. Why would this completely rock the Jewish listener's world? Every Jewish man, every Jewish female, they would have heard that from Jesus and been like, what? Okay. Look, when this commandment was given by God to love your neighbor as yourself in the book of Leviticus, besides the people of Canaan in the Old Testament, the Israelites had a pretty good relationship with the Gentile people. I'm going to say that word Gentile quite a bit. Do you know who a Gentile is? If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile, okay? It's that simple. And they had a pretty good relationship with the Gentile people. But in the New Testament, fast forward to the New Testament, you see a much different attitude towards the Gentile. The New Testament Jew did not like Gentiles. As a matter of fact, they would literally hate Gentile people. If you weren't Jewish, they didn't care nothing about you. As a matter of fact, it went from not caring to actual hate. The Jewish people in the New Testament would, would consider you know, the Gentiles as the uncircumcised. They would literally call them Dogs. That was their language. It was, the Gentile, they're dogs. We see extreme aversion and scorn and hatred towards the Gentile from the New Testament Jew. I mentioned last week that they would treat them with contempt and disdain. They would chastise them. They'd push them away. They'd, they you know, they don't touch me. You know, that kind of an attitude. You know? Get away from me. They would have nothing to do with a Gentile man or a woman. They would avoid them as much as possible. And have nothing to do with them except hate them and treat them with contempt. And you see, over the, their history, they began to look at the Gentile as their enemy. As their enemy. And this was being taught by their religious leaders. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 in Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount, as it's called, Jesus took aim at these religious leaders because they took that Old Testament law from the book of Leviticus about loving your neighbor as yourself, the very one Jesus quoted, but yet they added to it. They put their own twist to it. Jesus said, listen, you have heard it said, this is Matthew 5, 43, and he's telling the people, you've heard it said, basically saying, you've been taught this way That you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what the religious leaders were teaching. That's how they were living their lives, to love your neighbor but hate your enemy. Hate your enemy. Jesus called them out on his Sermon on the Mount. As a matter of fact, he followed that up in verse 44 with this, but I say to you, it's like this is what you've been taught, but listen, this is what I say to you, love your enemies, and pray for them. Dude, that message, the message of Jesus was so contrary and so opposite of what they had all been raised on, what they had been taught for years. They said, hate your enemy. Jesus said, love people. You see, the, the new part of this message of Jesus just struck right at their attitude, right at their heart, b- because they changed the definition of who their neighbor was. They knew that law, Leviticus, love your neighbor na- yourself, but they they began to change the definition of who their neighbor was, and their neighbor wasn't their enemy. Here's who the New Testament Jewish people began to think of as their neighbor, okay? They would only think of loving those who it was easy to love. Only loving those who were agreeable with them, who they got along with and who got along with, you know, you, you all got along together, okay? Your neighbor was someone who scratched your back a little bit and you scratched their back. Don't you love a good scratch back? Who likes a who, who, who likes a, a good back scratch? I, Yeah, scratch back, back scratch, that's dyslexia at its best right there, okay, yeah. Who likes a good back scratch? Here we are, you know? Yeah. They thought of their neighbor was someone who loved them in return, especially their own fellow Jewish person. But not the Gentile. Not the Romans. Not the Greeks. My fellow countrymen are okay. Yes, that's my neighbor. But not the Roman soldier. Not the Greek philosopher. Not the person born over there a few, you know, towns away, okay? Basically, they had changed the definition of the neighbor as, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. It's loving those men who just went along with everything you wanted. It was awesome. You're high-fiving. You're hanging out on the weekend. Come over to my house. Let's sip some coffee, that kind of a thing. They literally changed the definition of Neighbor. So can you imagine what the Jewish leaders and men standing around Jesus, you know, what they were thinking when he linked loving your neighbor with loving God. Jesus put together and they were like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Because they were so religiously proud of how they thought they loved God. They were all about it. But in our text, Jesus is, is asking something more from them. He wants to pull them higher, okay? You see, the word neighbor in the Old Testament book of Leviticus that Jesus quoted, it's synonymous with fellow creature. That, that In the Old Testament book of Leviticus, in the Hebrew language, when, when when the law was given, love your neighbor, it's talking about fellow creature, but they took it in... Complete opposite direction, not just, you know, forget about fellow creature, just my tribe, just my crew, you know. The the people I hang out with, that that I agree with, that's who I'm going to love. And so here in our text, it's like Jesus was telling them to love every single person around them. He's like, love everyone. Jesus took their... Law that they had morphed and made it kind of man-made, and he made it into a new law. And this probably flew right in the face of the ultra-religious Pharisee and these religious leaders who had been leading and teaching all the people. As a matter of fact, Jesus took loving man, loving people, and made it a new commandment. John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, Gospel of John records. So now, this is Jesus speaking. Now I'm giving you a new commandment, brand new. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Later, after Jesus ascended, uh, John wrote a series of New Testament letters. And in his first one, 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 through 21, listen to what he writes. Now, this is a guy who walked with Jesus, heard everything that Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit reminded John of what Jesus said. Of him, because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who doesn't or for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother and sister, same application, also. You see, the Jewish religious leaders thought they had all the control, okay? They had all the control, they're making up these oral laws and man-made traditions, but then Jesus comes on the scene and starts dropping this new commandment on them. Love, all about love, loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people. I, I, and I want to tell you a little secret this morning. Lean in real close so you can hear me. Just, you don't have to do that. Some of you really did. You're like, oh, Okay. Here's a secret. This new commandment wasn't just given for the people during the time of the New Testament. It wasn't just given to those with whom Jesus walked with you know, physically on earth. Guys, these scriptures from Jesus, his words here have huge implications for us today. And we are so guilty of doing what they did in the New Testament, of treating these commandments like two different things. We will kind of separate them into two different things, okay? We're guilty of kind of compartmentalizing commandments. We treat them like a TV dinner. You, how many, remember TV dinners? I don't think we, they're not really called that anymore, but you, you, some of you, three of you, how many of you like a good TV? Thank you, Paul. A few of you are like, yeah, yeah. I love me a good hungry man TV dinner. You know what I mean? Grade Z beef in that thing. You know what I mean? Genetically modified corn or made up corn. I don't know. But, but it, 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 We don't call them TV dinner. Just, but, it, but they're still in the frozen food section, right? It's that frozen tray. You have the meat in the compartment. Then you have the veggies in the separate compartment. A little something called potatoes in another compartment. Then there's a little brownie; it's in its own little compartment or whatever dessert. You're right, you know. Now I like this because this pleases me when it comes to food because I can't really stand different foods mixing, touching. Anybody else like that with me? Like I, I cannot stand is when you have Mr. Corn and his juice flows and gets all mixed. in. The mashed potatoes, and I would rather just the plate away and say, "Fix me another one." I'm not a big fan of that. I don't like juices mixing together. I, uh, anybody help me? Somebody? Yeah, come on. That's my people. Separate food. Yeah, <laughs> separate our food, <laughs> so that it doesn't, you know, get contaminated by green beans. Whatever you put in there, okay. That doesn't work for this commandment of loving God, loving people. We we can't compartmentalize That's how people, that's what we really do. We will have the attitude, we may not say this verbally, but we'll have the attitude of this. Man, I'm gonna love God, and I'm gonna love people on Sunday when I come to church, when I attend my life group throughout the week. Dude, I'm gonna love, people. I'm going to love my church peeps. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love my life group. But on Tuesday, I'm going to grumble against my coworker. On Friday, I'm not going to forgive my sister who did me wrong. On Wednesday, I'm going to hold a grudge against my former spouse, if that applies to you this morning. On Tuesday, I'm going to talk negatively about the person who attends church with me. Easy. (sighs) On Thursday, I'm going to complain and gripe about my spouse and my kids. On Saturday, I'm going to stick up my nose at that homeless dude who I know sat there all night long and who's just disgusting in their filth. On Monday, I'll look and sneer in disgust. person on television who is living in an alternate lifestyle that I completely don't agree with. On Thursday, I'm going to deride and hate that person who's in the political party that I can't stand. On Wednesday, I'm going to challenge my boss, and I'm going to make that day really hard for my boss. I'm going to show him. Stick it to the man, okay? (laughs) On Tuesday, I'm going to get sweet revenge on that person who wounded me. I can't wait. On Friday, I will judge those who are doing things that I know are not right. Those spring breaks, no good. <laughs> but on Sunday, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love my church people. I'm going to love my tribe because they're like me and we worship together. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship him. When I go to life group in the middle of the week, I'm going to love God. I'm going to love my people. Don't we do that all the time? Yeah, we do. And guys, it doesn't work that way. Yet how many believers who sit in church seats Sunday after Sunday after Sunday have that attitude? They portray that attitude. And people in the world, they recognize and see that. And that's the farthest thing from Christ. God expects much, much more. So instead of a TV dinner or frozen food, whatever, where it's all compartmentalized. God wants it to be more like a chicken pot pie, okay? Where all the green beans and corn and carrots and breading and chicken broth are all mixed together, loving every bit of it, even the lima bean. <laughs> How many of you love that lima bean? And those who, <laughs> oh, my wife does. She, yeah, all right. I'm like, why do they put the lima bean? Of all beans in the pot pie, but that's all right. <laughs> but you're loving it, right? Man, not compartmentalizing who we can choose to love, who not to love, who we can care for, show compassion to, and not. No, gang, it's people. It's all about people. It's loving all people. I said last week that Jesus came for the people. He cares about people, right? And he loved everyone with grace and compassion. He had a caring attitude towards everyone except one group of people. Do you know who that was? The religious leaders. He was on them. He chastised them. He called them out. That was the only group of people that Jesus called hypocrite. You know, we call a hypocrite someone now who is like, well, you come to church, but you, you, you don't act like a Christian, you hypocrite. No, that, that's the definition that we made. None of us are perfect. Jesus called the religious leaders, those who are so selfishly prideful in their self-righteousness, he called them hypocrites because they were making it hard for people to enter the kingdom of God. And they were treating people, like I said last week, with contempt and disdain. And Jesus exposed their hearts. He showed that their hearts were far from God. And look, we tend to think falsely that, that how we treat people has nothing to do with our relationship with God. And that's just crazy thinking. Or one person said, that, that's stinking thinking, okay? If that were true, wouldn't you think that Jesus would have just stopped at loving God when the scribe came and asked him what's the greatest commandment? Jesus would have said, it's easy, chief. Loving God with everything you got. Now, go do it. Case closed, right? no. He didn't stop there. He included loving people in the very same breath. You guys understand this truth? The way we treat and love our fellow man, our neighbor, is a direct reflection on our love for God. How how often we miss that as believers. We get so comfortable in our group, in our church, in our tribe, in whatever. Comfortable with each other. Then we go out and treat people not like Christ. Listen, it's a reflection of your love for the Lord. I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. Read with me the Apostle John's writing in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Here it is. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, here it is again. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Dude, that is so sobering. That is so deep. That's very, very foundational. The Apostle John pretty much lays it on the line and says, if you don't love others, you don't even know God. You don't even know God. That's what Jesus was getting at in John 13, 35, when he says, they'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another. He wasn't talking about loving each other and just sitting in the seat across from you or loving those that are in your life. I'm always talking about people out there, at work, at play, in your neighborhood, on the highway, at the beach, wherever. Guys, that's the way, the proof, if you will, that that you actually love God is by showing love to others, showing love to the unlovable, to all people everywhere. Is, is, Is it love to hold a grudge? Is it love to hold unforgiveness towards somebody? Is it love to refuse praying for an enemy? Is love about deriding someone? Is love about turning a deaf ear to someone's need? Is it love when you show contempt and disdain to someone? Is it love when you refuse to associate with someone because of some external factor? Is love hating someone? If you're not loving others, you're not, you don't know God. And according to Jesus' words in John 13, 35, you're not even his disciple. Those are some tough words. But that's the priority that Jesus sets forth. Talking to the scribe of loving God and loving others, that's the high priority of loving others. I fear there's a lot of believers who are missing the point. They're missing it. Look, I did for years. Man, I had read the Bible over and over scripture, scripture, scripture. I grew up in a pastoral home, man. The, the Bible was awesome to me. I I mentioned before I won all the Bible search challenges at VBS and kids' ministry, you know, all that kind of stuff. I could quote scripture and stuff. I read the Bible, I knew the Bible and stuff, but I missed the point of Jesus' message for decade after decade after decade. Look, I was a Pharisee. I was a Pharisee in the New Testament. No, I wasn't in the New Testament. You guys know what I'm saying. Pharisee like those in the New Testament. <laughs> man, I loved church people. I loved those who seemed to be living right. I loved people who were like me, who, who had a, you know, a fire for God. But boy, I could judge people with the look of my eye, man. I could give a sharp look of judgment faster than I could drink a cup of in the morning, okay? I would look down on people. I would think that people were unfit spiritually. I would snarl, a spiritual snarl. You ever done that? I have. It's a thing. I would give a spiritual snarl to people who were in the world, not in church like me. I set up this, I built up this high lofty seat of religiosity that I had made out of pride and self-righteousness. And it would. when we got married, it would frustrate my wife, Megan, because she wasn't like that. But she would notice me doing that. I would judge her family. I would judge others. Begin judging people in the church. Then one year, eight months exactly, God put me in my place. He humbled me greatly. I won't go into a lot of detail, but I went through a very dry and desert season. I truly began to lose my mind. But God was doing all that for a purpose. And when my eyes were opened, I realized how big God is and how tiny and puny and utterly pathetic I was and am. And he knocked me off my high chair of self-righteousness, thinking that I was somebody in God's kingdom and and everybody else was kind of, ooh, you're not doing it right, then you're not right, man. God showed me that I was just an honored tool that he uses. And he put me back in his his tool, tool tool belt. And he said, that's okay, man, I'll use another tool for a while. It was a hard lesson to learn. But God also showed me his grace, his marvelous, beautiful grace. And that, that's how I needed to look towards people, and that's how I needed to treat people with his grace and with his love, right? It's loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. So, Jake, you can come up if you want, man. Right? Yeah, I didn't give the cue, but. So I close this message like, like they close a the Chipotle burrito, all right? Hang with me, because this is really, I want you to really hone and factor in on this. This is so important. So we look at Jesus' words, we, we ask, who is my neighbor? And how do I love them? Have you ever thought about that? Who's your neighbor? Is your neighbor only those of the same social status as you? Economic status as you? Is your neighbor only those who speak the same language as you or the the person who's easy to love? Is your neighbor the the person whose skin tone is the same as yours or the people that you get along with best or who lives in the same area that you live in? Is your neighbor those who do good things for you or only worship God like you do and believe like you do in the non-essentials? Is that your neighbor? Is your neighbor those who you like to hang out with and do things with? Is your neighbor only those who fights the same cause as you do, who's on the same side politically as you are and who votes exactly like you? Is that your neighbor? Is your neighbor that person who, who is very agreeable with you, who thinks like you, they have the same opinion that you do on a wide variety of topics, the diverse aspects of our world? No. And if you think that that or anything like that above is your neighbor, you are sounding just like the New Testament Pharisees. Who's your neighbor? Who's the person that Jesus is referring to? Look around. Look around as you live your life. There are your neighbors. Driving along SPID, there's your neighbors. The person who cuts you off. He's your neighbor. <laughs> that busy store you're in, and people are just going crazy, and that's your neighbor. If you could get, a, if you could get in a helicopter and fly over Corpus or use Will Fader's uh, drone and see the whole scene, there are your neighbors. If I could take in a spaceship and let you see all of the earth, there are your neighbors. Your family member, they're your neighbors. Your spouse, there's your neighbor. Your kids and grandchildren, they're your neighbors. The drunk who's stumbling down the street, there's your neighbor. The prostitute who has been up all night long, all weekend, every night, that's your neighbor. The person passed out in the alley or the ditch, that's your neighbor. The guy who works 40 plus hours all week long. And then on Friday, he rushes home as fast as he can. He goes into his closet. He grabs his favorite dress. Then he goes to the mirror and he puts all this makeup on. And then he goes to all these different clubs all weekend long. That's your neighbor. I I could keep going on and on with these scenarios. That's your neighbor. Look who Jesus went to, the the, the lady who was a prostitute, the woman who was at the well. She was living with her husband. Jesus went to the hated tax collector. He was even, his disciples were even asked, why does your master hang around with all these sinners? Because Jesus knew what it was all about. He knew the importance of loving people. That person who is so opposite you in every way, and you just want to punch them in the face. (laughs) That's your neighbor. And you're to love them. You're to pray for them. How do you how do you love them? It's all about the antidote to our cultural malady. Self-sacrifice. It's what Jesus modeled. It's what he exemplified. Would it be like him? Trust me, I'm almost, I know this is long, but would it be like him? I listed some scriptures there, Philippians 2, 3 and 4, 1 Peter 5, 5. They're all about preferring other people, not thinking too highly of yourself. And Jesus himself speaking in Matthew 23, 11 said, the greatest among you must be a servant. Listen. How do you love your neighbor? You bear, you forgive, you help, you delight with, you include, you offer them grace, you encourage, you give them materially and physically, you share with them, you call them, you care, you text, you email, you Facebook, you keep in contact, you you Zoom, you, you get to know them, you associate with them, you walk with them, you talk, you notice them, you show compassion for them, you care for them, you reach out to them, you do everything in your power. To them that you would like them to do. you how do you love your neighbor? You become Christ's hands reaching out to them. You pray for them. You pray for them. Ask the Holy Spirit, teach me how to love people. He'll show you. He'll convict you where you're wrong. That's a bold prayer. Love God, love people. Have a passion getting to know God through His Word. Have a passion for others, loving them as we love God. We're all going to stand before the Lord one day. You'll have to give an account how you follow Jesus' command. Jake and Jessica and JC, they're going to sing a wonderful song. Why don't you just take a moment right where you are and just, just reflect on this and pray. See God. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now. You two online, don't turn off the string. You need to repent. of Maybe having a pharisaical attitude, a worldly attitude. Do that now. Spend some time with the Lord. Seek Him, as the Scripture says, while He may be found. Lord, forgive us and help us. And then I'll come up and pray to close the service.